in the San Francisco Bay Area, Joe lives in LA. Uh, each week we call it one another and we just catch up. <laughs> that is the worst joke I've ever made. Sit on this crucifix <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, this. Stop, stop, stop. Ow! Yeah, I went there, Mike. I went there, motherfucker. Hey, Joey. Hi, Mike. Hey, Joey. Hi, Mike. No one would ever go to this what? many sex-sounding gay bars. Down a spiral staircase? With a <laughs> dancing monkey? Seriously. <laughs> Did you buy dog Viagra? Joey, it was nice catching up with you. Go, go to hell, Mike. All right, so now I'm recording. By the way, oh, FYI, FYI, I have basically zero stories this week. Cool. One, two, three, four. Hey, Joey. <laughs> hello, Mike Lawson. <laughs> and hello to everybody listening. My name is Mike. That's Joe. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Joe lives in L.A. We have been friends for over a decade, and each week we just call one another and we catch up. I wonder if I should just keep that in. You should. I think I should. I'm uh, By the way, I have like no energy right now. So I drank coffee this morning, but I still just feel like dead. So mm-hmm. before we started recording, we were talking and my energy was so low during that conversation. I was like, oh, this episode is fucked. Mm-hmm. Fucked. We're fucked. I, I have no stories. You have no energy. <laughs> so we're like an episode of beep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're just like a good episode of. <laughs> How are you? What's new with you? Uh, well, you know, we're really trying to sell these great stories. Let's pretend like I didn't say that. Okay, so here we okay. go. Okay. Oh, Mike Lawson, I have had the craziest week. Let me just tell you. So, uh, you know, I have... Parking at Costco. Have you ever tried parking at Costco? Mike, I'm going to tell you, man. <laughs> this documentary, The Jinx, had me on the end of, edge of my seats the whole week. That's this HBO thing? Yeah, I'm so fucking pissed about that. This is the side. This is not, I didn't mean to talk about this. So I saved... The entire run of the show, like I knew the last episode was last night. I was like, all right, Monday morning, I'm going to watch this show because I I know how I get with these shows. I'm going to want to binge it. Yeah. And I'm not going to want to, I'm not going to want to wait a week to hear it, right? Or watch it. So then all this drama went down with this documentary yesterday. Like the the dude got arrested. And then the, I guess the final episode is this major, amazing final episode. Where, like, I'm not going to do any spoilers here, so don't worry. But something very spoil-worthy happens. And the headlines would all spoil it. They would be like, oh, blankety-blank happens in the final episode. And I was like, ugh. I think I I'm that. still going to watch it, but whatever. Oh, you hate that? Remember when uh, Breaking Bad, you told me the basically the end oh, of the show? Oh, shut up. Ten, like, ten years after the, the final ended, the fin- final episode. Meanwhile, I still have not watched the show. At a current at a at the current point, I'm allowed to spoil Breaking Bad for you. <laughs> I still have not even started one episode. <laughs> How dare you? Mark and I have started three other tour businesses in the meanwhile. Um, what's up with you? Any fun stories? Yes, Mike Lawson, friend of the show and comedian Patrick Keen. Uh, I I. Well, also friend of the show, Melissa McQueen. So Melissa McQueen texts me and Patrick Keene like a week ago, and she says, hey, you know, my husband and I are going to go to the world-famous Hollywood Improv on Wednesday night and get a drink and some dinner. You should meet up with us, right? And so I say, oh, I'm having dinner with people in L.A., but uh, I'll meet you guys after. I should be there around 830. 
Okay. I also tell my friend Shannon to join us because she's friends with them too. So sure enough, I go to dinner on Wednesday. I drive there. I'm at the improv by 8.30. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Melissa texts me and she says, "We're oh, by the way, Patrick Keene. So we're in this text message chain. Patrick, Melissa goes, hey, Pat and I, oh, I'm going to. I could, I should say Kilbane because Melissa's husband is named Pat as well. So she's all, Kilbane and I are going to, um, be, uh, there on 7.30 to have dinner and have drinks. And then Patrick is like, oh yeah, I'm going to be there at 7.32. So I go, great. I'll be there at 8.30. I show up. McQueen goes, uh, we're all in the showroom. I go in the showroom. It's just Melissa and her husband. Uh huh. I go, well, where's, what's going on? And she goes, Get a load of this, right? And there's this comedian on stage. He's on stage for like a minute. And then he goes, all right, that's my time. Uh, you know, uh, my name's Zoe Zozo, you know. And the music plays. He gets off stage. Patrick Keene is hosting the fucking show? Uh, <laughs> right? Well, he never says I'm hosting that show at 8, at 8 o'clock at the improv, you know. Uh-huh. So I think it's funny. So I go up to Patrick Keene and I go after he gets off stage and brings up the next comic. I go, oh yeah, can I get some stage time? And he laughs. He goes, come with me. There's another. There's, so there's two parts of the bar. If that makes any sense. So there's like the main bar and then there's like almost like a hidden older bar. Okay. Yeah. He goes, uh, come with me. Uh, Shannon's over here. Right. I go, oh great. I follow him into the old bar. I walk in, walk down this hallway. And we get into the old bar, and Mike, for this long, I go, I look around, and I go, I don't see Shannon. I turn to my left again. Patrick Keene was on my left. Patrick Keene is all of a sudden in a booth, lights on, microphone, in a full-on interview with somebody? What? Yeah, like, instantaneously. Like, it was like, step, 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 look around. I don't see Shannon. Turn to my left to talk to Pat. And he's, Mike, in a booth. Full light, like you would have to because you're filming something, a boom mic over his head, chatting away with some person for a, being filmed. The camera's there. I'm like, what? what is this going on? What is going on? How did that just happen in half a second? <laughs> right? Now, the other weird part of the story is Shannon really wasn't there. So I text Shannon. I go, uh, where, where? I go, where are you? I go, she goes, I'm at home. And she, she lives down the street. Uh-huh. And she goes, yeah, you weren't there, so uh, my husband and I left. We're filming a reality show at my house. Yeah, and then I go, I, it was 8.35. Right, so anyway, I ended up hanging out with Patrick Keene and Melissa the whole night. And, That's a weird story. Yeah. So then, uh, they're weird people. Comics are weird people. So then, uh, I also go to a, a, a party for comedians, actually, speaking of, on Saturday night. Patrick Keene was there. All these comics were there. A bunch of comics. Mm-hmm. Was he working or was no, he no, there no. For fun? No, no, no. Just fun. Just a fun party with a bunch of comics at somebody's uh, loft. Okay. Patrick Keene introduces me to this uh, woman. I don't think she's a comic. And he says, uh, oh, this is uh, Joe Batanz. Joe Batanz, uh, you know, he went to high school in Orange County. Patrick Keene invi- introduces everybody by what high school they went to. Uh, he went to Servite High School, home of the Friars. Uh, uh-huh. Patrick Keene went to high school in Orange County. He went to Santa Margarita. So he goes, uh, yeah, so, you know, Joe, this uh, Joe, this is so-and-so. Uh, she went to Santa Margarita with me, right? And uh, Joe's tutored some people from Santa Margarita. And then this girl goes, oh, do you think you tutored me? And I go, <gasps> now, Patrick Keaton's like three years older than me, okay? 
I go, okay. no, I, I, I go, I tutor people a lot younger than, than us. And then she goes, well, that's fucked up that you assume that I'm the same age as you. Mike Lawson, she looked like 60 years old. <laughs> she looked, she looked like shit for being even close to my age. And she storms okay. off. And Pat's okay. like, ah, don't, don't worry about her. She's she's drunk. Don't worry about her. Mm-hmm. And then so that was it. That was, that was that was my week with Patrick Keene. Thank you. <laughs> I told you. You heard the beginning of the show. I told you. I'm light on the stories this week. I'm not passing judgment on your stories because I get in trouble when they do. We're... <laughs> Great story, Joe. I feel whenever there's a week like this where you're low energy and I have no stories that a fight happens. <laughs> no. Last time I had plenty of energy. Because it was all bottled up inside of me, and I was ready to explode by the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, g- cool. Um, do Do you want to tell that story again? I feel like maybe people. Yeah. Hear- I, well, I, I, yeah. I should do. I should do it correctly because that's going to go in for sure. Episode two hundred. That's going to be one for the highlight reel for episode two hundred. Uh, it wasn't that bad. They, the bar thing was just weird. Like it's not even funny. It's just like bizarre. Yeah. It, well, I thought it was funny later because it's so Patrick Keene. You like instantaneously yeah when you started saying that he was on stage i thought he was like doing you know how they do those shows where like you have to bring so many people oh like i thought he just wanted you guys to show up no, so that you no, would pay no. to get in patrick Keene is a real comic <laughs> he's a real comic yeah that was a little um, that was a little shady but yes it's true i went to uh vegas this weekend joey i told you that uh remember yeah i saw all your instagram pictures of you on basically you're recreating pride 48 no. Um, well, the last weekend. Diabetes um, and going on that Ferris wheel. <laughs> you were around a bunch of people with diabetes and you went on that Ferris wheel. How is that not Pride 48? Uh, last week, Joey, <laughs> before I went to Vegas, I was talking to my boss. Uh-huh. And because of a series of weird, boring events, it turns out that he didn't have a room for the event, a hotel room. Oh. Um, it, It's a long story and it's not worth talking about but he asked me if he could room with me and i had already booked my room you room with your boss a lot i I do that's true um in kind of to some backstory i guess before he was my boss he was my friend like i've been friends with him for seven or eight years i've worked with and for him for two so that kind of explains it a little bit but we're also a nonprofit, so we do stuff to save money all the time but um on top of all of that, my boss was flying in Friday afternoon and leaving Saturday morning because he's he was going to speak at uh, on a panel at South by Southwest, which popped up at the last minute. So basically, he agreed to show up and host an evening cocktail event on Friday night as a favor to the organizer of the event and then be gone Saturday morning. So it was like pretty much in and out since he had to get to Austin by like Saturday afternoon. Okay. Got it. Um, I already booked my room, and it had one king-size bed. But I thought, like, you know, one night, I don't care. Like, that. Well, they, easy, wait, they right? wouldn't split it for you when you get there? What do you mean? Like you, when, you, when you check in, you can go, like, oh, you know, can we, can we turn it into two? Yeah, right, exactly. So I said yes, but to me, I thought, like, I'm not going to share a bed with him. I would just get two beds, right? So – when he asked, I, I said something like, I think I have a single bed, but I'll check when I check in, I'll ask for two beds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he laughed at me and he's like, there are no hotel rooms in Vegas that only have a twin size bed. I'm sure the bed is big enough for both of us. <gasps> that's, 
That's and weird. I'm like, I do not want to share a bed with yeah, but, anyone, with anyone. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, but 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 even forget the, forget anything, right? You would just think the natural inclination. That's a statement you make after they say after they tell you, "Oh, they only have single beds right now." Well, I said I said yes already, but like I, when I said single bed, he thought the term single bed meant like a twin size bed. Yeah. But to me, single bed meant one bed. I'm with you. Regardless of size. I'm like with it, you. That's what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And pretty much if I invite anyone to sleep at my place or anything, unless I want to fuck them, I'm going to be sleeping on the couch or they're sleeping on my couch, mm-hmm. right? I'm not sharing my bed. Yeah. I, f- I feel really uncomfortable about that. For even like my – no, I guess that's not true. I was going to say my sister stayed the night. And I think we stayed in the same bed. But, like, I had a friend Kelly stay the night, and I slept on the floor. I don't know. I just feel weird about it. Let me it. run through people. You tell me if you would sleep in the same bed. <laughs> okay. I'll start easy. Floor. I'll start easy. Chris Colfer. Floor. Wait, does, like, Chris Colfer want to do sex? Do you, you? This is really hard. There needs a lot of, like, context. Why? No, just no. You you can't take the other person into account. Wait, what? You can't take whether they want to have sex with you into account. Oh, then I'll be floor for everybody. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, no. They, it's not that they can't that they don't want to. I'll just do the floor. Okay. See, yeah. I'm getting anxiety yeah. over this event. I know. It's Chris the, Colfer. This, this exercise with you. But is let's say me Chris anxiety. Colfer wanted to have sex with you. Would you have sex with him? Eh, no strings attached. No strings He'll attached. Leave. He won't ask to have breakfast won't or coffee ask to in have the morning. Nothing. Everything you would. Yeah, I pro- really? probably would. I couldn't. I'll tell you why I wouldn't. He's not going to sing. That voice. I can't. Like, imagine him going like. His voice and he has like baby teeth. Oh, my God. Fuck me. Oh. Wait, uh. we. You're adding things to it. Like, he's going to talk. Yeah. And is. And. Di- no. You you can't add stuff. Well, no, anyway. obviously, if Chris Colfer is going to talk. So. After he said the whole, like, single bed thing, I was like, ugh, what a, I, w- I will just take care of this. I arrive in Vegas hours before him, so I'm going to check in. I will make sure I get two beds, or hope I get two beds. It wouldn't have been the end of the world if I had to share, but I had anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. So I check in. Um, when I go to check in, my room had a king-size bed, and they had a room available with two beds. But, by the way, it was like, early check-in time still but my room was available Mm -hmm. and they had a room available with two beds but it was a room on like the other side of the hotel which is slightly more expensive what hotel i paid uh the flamingo okay so i paid 40 dollars extra to get this room you personally or the or your or your company did well that's a lot that's a whole nother story oh my gosh it was me personally (gasps) Um, but to me be well no I have a dumb coworker I've told you about. Yes. That I don't want to talk about anymore on here. But she, uh, when she went to pay, she was supposed to take care of my room and she didn't. So basically, I paid for my room and I have to get reimbursed. But I didn't find that out until I was at the check-in desk. Oh, okay. Um, but to me, I feel like that extra money was worth it because I don't want to. I just, I that was worth it, mm-hmm. right? So I bring all my stuff up to my room, um, and then I'm grabbing lunch with somebody. Uh, and I get a text from my boss. And by the way, he was in San Diego Thursday and Friday, flying from Friday afternoon to Vegas, staying the night and leaving Saturday back 
to Austin, going to Austin. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's basically going to be in Vegas for 10 hours and his flight is delayed. Well, well, his flight is actually canceled. So he has to take the next flight and then that flight gets delayed. So the soonest he could get to Vegas is 11 p.m. And then he flies to Austin the next day at 7 a.m. So basically he'd fly in, get a shitty sleep. Oh, so he missed the thing he was there for. Yeah, so he would miss the thing. So he's like, you know what? I'm already nervous about the the panel that I'm talking at on in South by Southwest. So I'm just gonna stay here in San Diego, get a really good night's sleep, and skip Vegas altogether. So basically, I had two beds, and I went through all that worry, and it didn't even matter. The end. <laughs> this is gonna definitely go in the annals of uh, many of our listeners. It's one of the greatest episodes of all time. The annals. Yeah. What's up with you? Anything going on in Mexico City with Paul? Well, yeah. Remember my friend Paul who I went to the party and I left early? Yeah. Well, you didn't see him. I didn't. I didn't. So uh, I landed up taking him to uh, – I said, you know, so I call him and I go, I'm going to take you to lunch for your birthday it's on Sunday. He goes, great. Yeah, it'll it'll be warmer and it'll be uh, oh, yeah. cheaper. Yeah. It was like 90 we'll degrees. More, uh, more one-on-one time. Well, you know – on the cheaper part, I'm going to tell you something. At first, I was like, you know what? I feel badly. I'm going to take him to the to Grand Central Market downtown where the restaurants there, they're not expensive, but they're not necessarily cheap, you know? Right. It's sort of just like high end. I feel there's something like that in the Bay Area. I just don't know what it is. But like it's – oh, yeah, there is something because I know people were mentioning it in articles. They were comparing it to something. There is something similar, but it's basically like a big market, but it's like really high end hipster restaurants. You know, yeah, and uh, so like everything's like twenty dollars a plate or something. You know, okay. There's a, there's one near um, Steve's house. It's kind of it's kind of like a, f- it's weird to say the word food court, but it's kind of like a food court. It's essentially yes, but it's a high but, end food court. Yeah. So and there's like a wine bar. Yes, in it too. exactly. Yeah. I'm sure this, this is what they were talking about in the article, whatever that's called. Yeah. So uh, I I tell him I go because Paul lives downtown. I said I'll just meet you there at one thirty. I was like, great. But then at night, the night before, Saturday night, uh, as most cool people do, I spent the night reading food blogs. And uh, I read this one by this one food blogger that I like. And he talks about how there's this place in L.A. in the Pinata District, which I've mentioned before on the show. where I, yeah. That's where I went before to buy birthday present stuff. Um, on the weekends, basically becomes like a Mexico City marketplace. And there's just ton of just street carts, food carts, just people selling like legit Mexican food. And it's amazing, right? So I just changed the plan right there. I want to go to this, right? So I pick up Paul and uh, I tell him the change of plans. And he goes, great. And so we went over to uh, the Piñata district. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it was some of the best Mexican food I've ever had in L.A. Some of, not quite the best but up there Mm -hmm. i paid for me and paul and i stuffed my fat face until like i couldn't breathe anymore and he did too it was twenty dollars for the both of us whoa twenty dollars did you and you guys didn't drink a beer or anything no but no but he got two large aguas frescas Mm. i got one too and how was the like seating and stuff was it like nice no, the, it was, was like it uh, picnic like benches, junky. okay, with with like little toy seats. 
like picnic yeah picnic yeah picnic tables i'm sorry with like 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 my niece's toy like their sandbox has these seats in them right uh-huh but the food was incredible paul is sounds good paul is filipino and so he was um uh saying i think oh this is like being in the philippines and i was like yeah you know and uh and so uh and it was very tropical weather yesterday so it really felt like being in the philippines and so, uh, yeah, that was my day with him. Spent $20. I spent more on him than that, actually. That was just for the food. But for some reason, I have no idea why. Tell me if you've experienced this. He wanted um, a honeycomb. Okay. Like a, a honeycomb, like, you know, drenched in honey. He says you eat them. Is that true? Have you ever eaten a honeycomb? Don't they? Don't you just chew on it? Like the actual wax stuff? I don't know that you swallow the stuff. Maybe you do, though. I don't know. I actually don't really like honey very much. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, for starters, I use like artificial sweetener for for reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So I just kind of stay away from Why? Why? What reason? Uh, my pancreas doesn't. Oh, speaking of, that's my blood sugar alarm. Um, my um, pancreas doesn't produce insulin, Joey. Wait, your blood sugar alarm is that loud? Um, yeah, well, it's sitting on my, it's just, it actually vibrates. Okay. I thought that was like from your body. And I was like, that would give me a heart attack. It's like a defibrillator. (laughs) That was just a vibrating. So what do you need to do right now? Now that, now that the alarm went off, what do you need? Do you need one? No, I just, (gasps) my doorbell. It's probably just a moment. Oh my God. So much is going on right now. I'm freaking out. I know you're like in a, (laughs) um, my, uh, lunch is just catching up with me. So I injected insulin or I added insulin, but my, it just, my food hit faster than the insulin. Oh, I see. It's like a a chemistry experiment with you. Everything's a math problem. So anyway, the point is you don't really like, you don't eat honey because of your uh, condition. But um, I I eat honey every day, a tablespoon. Do you? Yeah, my oatmeal. I've heard people using a sweetener and just recently. I've heard of that. Isn't that what people mostly do with it? I'm sorry. I've read uh, recently of people using it as an alternative sweetener. Oh, I see. So, like in recipes that have sugar or something, they'll use honey, um, and I think that sounds great. There was a um, like a recipe f- or recipe is a weird word, but a smoothie recipe, I guess, and it had uh, honey in it, and it sounded really good. And it, when I was reading, I was almost thinking like I might have to get honey for that. Um, what's... What's going on with you? What, what, give me another, uh, story. This give one me more takes Vegas in... stories. Yeah, this is in Vegas, too. Like... By the way, Joey, mm-hmm. I was early to meeting people for lunch, so I sat down at a slot machine. Yeah. And I, in my head, I thought 50 bucks max. Like, I'm not here to gamble, but it's fun every once in a while, so I'm not gonna go over 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. I put $20 into a machine, yeah. and I had tw- 12 minutes until... My friends were meeting me, so I put twenty bucks in, and I cashed out at a hundred and sixty-three dollars. Wow! Look at you done, and I and I didn't touch another slot machine. I was like, well, then that's that's my night because I'm not or my weekend. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just put this all back in. That machine. paid for your hotel. Yeah, and the extra bed that wasn't used. Yeah. Um. So this past summer, Joey, you may remember I went to Florida a few times. Um, and by the way, I'm going to Florida again. Yeah, I went twice. Three times were scheduled, and I only went twice. Um, I'm going to Florida again this summer in July, by the way. Um, and when I was there, I met a very nice man. He happened to be at both of the events I went to 
Um, so I met him on two separate occasions and we have since connected on social media and he's incredibly pleasant. Um, I helped him with some stuff and, um, conversation, whatever. It was really good online. He lives in New Jersey. He's a dad. His kids are like a few years younger than me. And he's like very stereotypical Jersey. Like he's really, he's loud. Is he like GTL? Um, no, no, he's older than that. Uh-huh. GTL is Jim Tan Laundry. He's kind of like, uh, just older. He's. You wear a tracksuit? He could. At these events, he doesn't, but it's possible. He, and when I say loud, it's not like his, he's physically, or he's like, the volume of his voice is necessarily loud. It's just like in a conversation, he's the loudest voice always. But he's also very loving. Like, I'm not making any judgment. Like that but he always wears like an open button down shirt and he has chains around his neck and he starts conversations with the word look or or listen a lot like you'll be talking about something you'll be like listen and he'll give you his opinion do you know what i mean but he means well and he's nice but his hair is also always wet or looks wet or like oily or something mm-hmm. it's like curly hair and whatever so when I see him at this event in Vegas this past weekend, now like the past couple times I met him, we weren't we didn't have like friendship or history, and then now that we do because of connecting on online, he sees me and he's happy to see me and I'm happy to see him. Wow! And he hugs me, Joey, and I know you're not a hugger. Have we well, ever hugged? Yeah, I I've started every time I see you in Vegas. Now I hug you for the and first time because I, I know how much. You, like, keep your hands to your side and, like, close your eyes. <laughs> but I don't mind hugs at all. And if the situation is right, I'll hug a stranger. Like, if, you know, I don't I don't mind. I won't share a bed with him. Would you hug Chris Colfer? Yeah. Yeah, I would. But, Joey, uh, I go to hug this guy, and he put his head onto the side of my face. Like, his hair touches the side of my face. And his hair is, like, wet or, or and oily. Or whatever. Uh-huh. And so the first time I'm like, ew. Like that was gross. You said and that? I like No, oh. but in my head. And I like wipe it. But usually you only hug one person one time when you see them, right? So I was like, I don't think that I created a plan for what would happen if he came in for another hug. And he came in for at least two other hugs throughout the weekend. And it, it was super nice. He was always saying, like, oh, it's nice to see you in person or whatever. And um, but he just would come up and like hug me are you a bigger celebrity in the diabetes world or in the pride 48 world it's hard to imagine you're bigger than you are in pride 48 no it's diabetes i think like wow it's weird though it's such when you get off the airplane is it like when the beatles came like is there like yeah you walk down Uh the stairs and there's all these diabetes people just like screaming and throwing like um syringes at me and stuff yeah that's how it is yep so basically, how, well, if you don't accept hu- or you don't like hugs, do you just accept them even though you hate them? Yeah, I'll just accept them. I don't like them, though. Yeah, I know you don't like them. But I do. I think that the past couple of times that we've seen each other, I think I've gone in for a hug just because I thought it was funny. <laughs> even though there's certain people that I just love hugging. Well, those are people that you want to fuck. Yeah, kind of. But not everybody I want to fuck. Like, there's this comic, um, Andy Ostroff. 
I love him. I'm in love with Andy Ostroff. Right? But you don't want to have sex with him? I kind of want to have sex with him. Okay, so you're not really proving the point. No, I wasn't trying to prove your point. I was just trying to say how, like, uh, you know, that day I saw Patrick King at the improv. So at a certain point, with uh, Melissa and Pat were talking to other people, and I was just, I was kind of over it. I wanted to leave, so I just trapdoored it, right? Yeah. And then, like, you know, 20 minutes later, Pat King's like, where'd you go? And I told him I trapdoored it. And then I got a text message after that, like, Andy Ostroff had shown up. And he's like, where are you? And I go, oh, I got, if I would have known you were coming, I wouldn't have left. I could hug that guy all day long. I love him. And, but it's sexual. In a weird kind of way, it's not. But yes, I would. Because I, here's the thing. I get, I'm not, when I think of Andy Ostroff, I don't think about how I want to fuck him. I think about how I want to marry him. I want to marry Andy Ostroff. Does that make sense? So I just want to like ma- marry him. I want to be married to Andy. I want to be Mr. Joe Ostroff. You want to? Okay. I get it. He's cute too. Oh, you looked him up? Yeah. Oh, I got to send you this short film he was in that I was just like, ugh. Right? And uh, we were supposed to live together at one point. And we went apartment hunting. I should have lived with him. I should have lived with him. Then you could have, like, taken candid photos of him and sent them to us. We love each other so much. Whenever we see each other, we're, like, all over each other. He's cute. Totally straight, though, right? Yes. Like, I'm being honest. Like, here's the thing. Totally straight. I've known this guy for probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. I've never known him to have a girlfriend. Well, maybe he... He, yeah, he, he could does, totally fuck around a lot. And also, I think he's one of the... He's he's like an, a, he's like a friend who we like know each other really well, you know? But like, I don't see him all the time. I don't call him all the time. I don't know what's comings and goings, you know? Right. I, and right. also, if you met him, you'd have no reason. There's nothing stereotypical. There's nothing... I kind of phrase everything correctly. What would usually lead one to believe someone's gay, he doesn't have any of those qualities. Sure. He just seems like a nice guy. What's up in L.A.? Any news stories to oh, talk about? Oh, yeah, that's about? what we're doing. I love how literally the biggest story of our show is looking up Andy Ostroff. Um, yes, Mike Lawson. <sighs> Pomona... P- <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I'll just cut the silence out, but I, I might just keep it in. <laughs> Pomona, Pomona police have issued a warrant for an LAPD rookie cop who's now wanted for murder. Police have obtained an arrest warrant for a Los Angeles rookie cop, Henry Solis, charging him with murder in a fatal fight in Pomona's downtown bar district on Sunday. Uh, Pomona police had earlier referred to Solis, a probationary officer with the Los Angeles Police Department, only as a person of interest in the shooting death of Salome Rodriguez Jr. Uh, in an advisory Monday, police said that Solis knows he is wanted and that he should be considered armed and dangerous. Uh, he was off duty during an early Friday shooting that killed 23-year-old Salome Rodriguez, and he failed to report for work the next day. For next day, police say that they have reason to believe he knows investigators want to talk to him. Uh, did Mike, have you clicked on the link? Have you seen a picture of, uh, Officer Solis? Yeah. Do you think he's handsome? Um, he's not ugly. I th- there's, there's multiple, uh, um, there's the, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The person that he allegedly shot to death in Pomona is cute. Oh, really? Where'd you see that? What do you, how do you have different sources than I do? Um, I have this like really cool machine. You might get one. Okay, it's called Google. But you go you go through the trouble of googling things. 
Oh, well, your oh. article was like about. Do you see the picture now? Well, I gotta open my messenger thing. The article you sent is just like a a weird non thorough article. So oh, I, was like, I oh, think I they're both cute. I don't think that the cop is that hot, but okay. I I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm a sucker for just a plain looking Latino man. And that well, the guy on the the victim, he's just wearing a white t shirt, and I think white t shirt is like the sexiest thing in the world. Hmm. They just wear a good white t shirt. Yeah, well, you have to be able to pull it off. He pulls it off. I'm not a fan of the victim's facial hair. You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's yeah. funny is in the picture you sent me, so Mike sent me a picture. It's a split shot, and it's the victim on the left in black and white, and then the um, the murderer on the right just looking straight on the camera, almost like a mugshot. And it looks like the victim's looking at him going like, you motherfucker. <laughs> How dare How you? How fucking, yeah, you're gonna, your ass is gone, man. So I think that this story, though, is, like, going to go into the whole narrative that's happening in this country about, like, cops being bad and, like, violent, right? And I don't oh, know that so? it helps anything. Yeah, I think so. Like, cops are bad and look at, look at, um, I don't, you don't, do you not think so? Well, because I don't, I, he was off And I'm not saying my opinion on any of this. I'm just saying, like, I think that I could see this playing into that narrative right now. He was off duty, and he was not operating his capacity as a police officer. I just see him as a hothead who just – like, look, a lot of policemen are hotheads. Right. And so I think he was like, you know, got – but that, that seems weird. Like, I always think it's so funny how like how easily he jumped from uh, officer of the law to, like, wanted felon. Like, he's ditching his car. He's not going to work. How do you, they're like, oh, he didn't show up for work the next day. We're supposed to be just stroll in, like – Hey, guys. How was your night last night? Anything interesting happened in Pomona or anywhere? Well, what's funny is he should have just stuck around because my belief on cops is, especially if he's a cop, they'll do their best to, like, help him, help. you know, right. turn but into self-defense and help. Perhaps perhaps that could be interesting. Like, um, maybe he knew he would be fucked if he stayed. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was maybe too many witnesses or whatever. Or yeah, maybe. I don't know. This was stacked against him. Interesting story, Joey. I'm telling you, um, this, is, this is an off fucking week, man. I have a cop story, too, kind of. Um, Greg Sir, who's the chief of police up here in San Francisco, um, he's pretty mad right now because there's news that surfaced that some of the officers were swapping text messages. According to this article, it says that these text messages contained homophobic and racist remarks. We'll get to that in a second, but um, now he has. So does our show. I know, (laughs) and that's just what you talk about. Uh Um, Now the chief of police has plans to terminate those officers. Um, So his number one priority this week, after the text came to light during a bail hearing for former officer Ian Fergenheimer, who was convicted for stealing money and drugs from suspects, uh, the chief is saying that this is his like biggest priority. Um, the texts are from 2011-2012. They were discovered on four officers' personal phones over the weekend. And there's this attorney up here that's defending them. His name's Tony Brass. And uh, he's defending these cops in question. And um, he says that the the cops are very remorseful and they accept responsibility. Um, and they are ashamed and all of that. But I guess... If they have an attorney, they must feel like they don't also deserve to be fired for this. Well, I have a question. Yeah. I'm going to read you the text, by the way. Oh, read the text first. 
Okay, so um, according to the court documents that show the offensive text, they uh, slurs are um, against blacks, Hispanics, and gay people, mm-hmm. according to this. Um, and one message from November 9th reads, do you celebrate Kwanzaa at your school? And then the response was, yeah, we burn the cross on the field, and then we celebrate white miss. Okay. It's not even funny. Not funny, no, go on. And then in another message from April 18th, um, 2012, one of the officers wrote that there were, uh, there's a quote, 20,000 bees are in, 20,000 bees are in Vacaville near school, near a school, basically, but they are not dangerous like black people. Okay. That's not, I don't even really under, get that one. Okay. So that's it. That's there's no. Where's the homo- anti-gay ones? That's what I was waiting for too. And there's actually nothing anti-Hispanic either in the ones that are quoted in the story anyway. Uh, but the police chief of police is saying my expectation is the police commission will share my desire to terminate these people from the police department and act upon it. If you have character that is incompatible with that of the police officer, wait, with that of a police officer, what's expected of a police officer? Then you shouldn't be a police officer. That was the most convoluted quote Here's ever. Here's where but. it gets tricky. And and, and the Oklahoma uh, fraternity kind of falls into this too. But we'll, they're, they're a separate issue. They are. The, I, I was reading the article while you were talking a little bit. I was glancing over it. And they don't mention in there how they – the, so the text messages were found on these officers' personal phones. Yeah. Right? And – how did they? How did the police officers come across going through these guys' personal phones? Well, because it was part of a, a former police officer is currently yeah. on trial, and this hearing for this former uh, police officer who was convicted of stealing money and drugs from suspects somehow this their phone records has become part of the evidence. Now, does that make sense? Yeah. So here's what's weird: is so they're obviously public employees. Okay, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the policy is. I don't. I don't know anything. I'm. I'm outwardly saying I don't know anything. Okay. Yeah. But off the top of my head, the tagline for our show. Yeah. I don't know anything. Catching up with Mike and Joe. We don't know anything. Yeah. I don't know anything. I'm not a First Amendment attorney, nor am I an attorney. But just my gut reaction sitting here would tell me that it wasn't on city phones, and it wasn't in their capacity as police officers. And if you write horrible, gross things on your personal phone, on your own time, as long as we can't show that they use this sort of um, terrible way of, of thinking as in their capacity as police officers, I don't really think they have a leg to stand on in terms of I'm talking about First Amendment rights. Well, the, nobody's saying they're not allowed to say these things. What we're saying is that they shouldn't be police officers because they get in one altercation, regardless of who's right. They get in one altercation with an African-American person, and that Af- African-American person then says that they were treated unfairly. And then we find out it's one of these cops that said this thing that they celebrate Kwanzaa by burning a cross. Yeah, but, but like, here's the thing. is it don't you think, Don't you think that that is going to make – Having this person, I, on your I understand. I, I have nothing. I have nothing. But look, here's the thing: is when you use a cell phone, your own personal cell phone, there's a reasonable expectation of privacy. 
You know, it's why the government hasn't been able to get into our. That's why the NSA can't get into our cell phones. So if if, if the cops go into your personal text messages and then release them to the public, what they found, that's the the yeah, these guys can't be cops anymore. But that's because the cops ruined it. A B. It gets a little different. If this was a private organization, if this was. And then it turns. Don't turn- say the name of my job on here. Oh, I'll bleep it out. If this was, if this was, let's say, some private diabetes organization, right? Mm-hmm. Then I would say, yeah, they're a private organization. They're private, but this is a publicly funded government thing, uh, uh, you know, entity. And so this is where the First Amendment rights get a little tricky. I, that's why I think they got an attorney. I don't think it's like, again, you, you, I, I, I unfortunately feel you have a right to be and as a card carrying member of the ACLU Mike I would think that you would think this too you have a right unfortunately to be disgusting in your private life and that's why in this Oklahoma the University of Oklahoma fraternity thing people are saying that they think that these boys might have a really good first amendment case because the University of, of Oklahoma is a private university and that well, the, the university didn't terminate their well I mean we're getting into a different story but the university didn't terminate the existence of the frat, right? It was the the national organization. Yeah, no, no, no. About the, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the fraternity. I'm talking about the boys who were expelled. So the oh, boys okay. who were expelled might have a good First Amendment case because a, it's a publicly funded university, and b, these boys stood up there not knowing they were filmed with a reasonable expectation of privacy. They didn't know that. So again, as gross as it is, sometimes you have to protect the gross people so the people who aren't gross are protected as well. So I, I, I don't think it's necessarily unwise for these guys to have a First Amendment attorney. I think it's wrong with when you're a cop you really shouldn't be saying these things but it gets tricky here because it was their private phones i don't even think that it's like it's should should these should you be saying these things or not i think like really like we should have a police force that where people don't feel these things no i right? agree but there should be, we should have a society like where people don't feel these things right you know um it's interesting let's see how it folds out but i have a ch- i have a feeling that they're going to be gone this isn't oh no 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 i don't even think they should get their jobs back cuz here's the thing it's one of these things now where they can't have their jobs back you're right the bell cannot be unrung yeah the bell right? cannot be unrung but they might have but a we're good also, lawsuit we're this we're not in like ferguson this is san francisco where you know it's going to be this is going to be in the news for a while and i think um i think they're pretty much cooked what else is going on in la Mike Lawson, an LAPD officer, was arrested for allegedly smuggling a man across the border. A lot of police officer stories this week. Yeah. Did he, like, maybe not remember he put that in his luggage and then he was going through and oh, was like, damn it. Sh- I've done that with a water bottle before. Yeah. Oh, man. Is there a Mexican man in the uh, spare tire wheel, you know, yeah. case of my trunk? I didn't. It was in the gift bag. I just threw the gift bag in my luggage. I I I'm know. not even joking. In a comical way, I would have just pretended I didn't know. Like, what? <laughs> like, because you could make an argument like, oh, that guy just put himself there. Uh, yeah, sure. Unless he's like in the trunk. He was in the trunk. Under, uh, but where the spare tire goes. Maybe. Okay, uh, Somebody had to help him, but maybe. Yeah. An LAPD uh, officer was arrested over the weekend after he allegedly tried to smuggle a man across the U.S.-Mexico border by allowing him to hide in the cargo area of his mini US, US SUV, federal authorities said today. <laughs> at, the, at the end of this episode, basically, uh, you will have no reason to ever trust police officers ever again. Yeah. <laughs> Though if they don't kill you 
or um, we'll try to smuggle you in. Hey, this guy, yeah, they're they're going to be texting bad things about you to their friends. This guy is actually being a nice guy. The unidentified 34-year-old officer was stopped by the Ote Mesa crossing, which leads into San Diego about 6.30 p.m. Saturday, uh, authorities said. Agents referred his vehicle to a secondary area for a more extensive inspection, and that's where they found the guy. They have since identified him as uh, 34-year-old Carlos Curiel Quesada Jr., and he tried to smuggle an Atanasio Perez Avalos into the United States by helping him conceal in the spare tire area of his Nissan. Oh, that must have been a tight fit. Um, I'm looking. No, it's a SUV. Oh. The Nissan Juke is kind of like SUV. Well, it's a car, but it's like actually has pretty good space in the trunk. And what what did you find on your um, investigations? I text you a photo of uh, their trunk space. Oh, and it's pretty good. Oh. Um, it's oh, actually it a really it's a really good choice if you're gonna smuggle somebody to be honest oh that is a good choice now i wonder yeah. you know what's so funny is i get so worried whenever even though i don't do anything wrong whenever i go to um the like i'm never going across the border but somewhere where like someone like, like customs or whatever i'm always so worried yeah that they're gonna think i'm doing something wrong that i feel like i come off like i'm doing something wrong even though i've never been put off to the side so i wonder how they're trained to catch people who legitimately are doing something wrong yeah i don't know so it says it's authority said both he and his 31 year old female passenger presented passports and something unknown prompted them to refer the pair and the nissan juke they were in to secondary inspection Maybe the, I mean maybe they don't want to say because then people will not do that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they do that for every Nissan Juke because there's so much space back there. Yeah, maybe. I mean that's already a tip off. They should. They should. Yeah. yeah they should have gone through with like a, like my car, like a tiny Honda. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. That's what I would have done. Um. <laughs> what? Wait. You would have done it in your car. That makes sense. <laughs> no. 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 I would. I would be in a different car, staring as uh, someone else did it in my car. I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid to do that. Would you ever bring, my question to you, would you ever bring uh, an illegal alien across the border? No, I wouldn't bring like an ounce of weed. Like it makes me so scared for the same reason as you. Like when I pull into those things, I'm like nervous as fuck. Even like TSA screening and stuff, I'm nervous and I have no, absolutely no reason. But there is something weird about it that I I don't think I would be the right person to. How do you travel with your syringes and whatnot? It's actually pretty easy. They're um, they see thousands of people every day at the airport, so they see you know quite a few of these devices and stuff. So, but how do you take it on the airplane with you? I just do. What do you mean? This... I'm I'm actually allowed to bring anything medically necessary. You're allowed to bring, no problem. So don't because now now you're gonna have all these terrorists trying to get diabetes. You don't. They don't actually like test your see peptide to see if you have diabetes they just assume that i do because i'm carrying it you don't have to actually have diabetes oh god mike you're so kind of, you're so prompting something here on this you're gonna whatever all of our terrorist listeners what else got you have going on in the bay area well there's this story that i'm curious i don't actually even know how i feel about it i'm curious how you feel about it uh, but minimum wage in oakland uh just went up and uh, that's kind of affecting, you know, everything, as you would guess. So minimum wage um, just a couple of weeks ago went up to twelve twenty-five an hour. 
um, and that's transforming the city's booming restaurant scene. So um, the idea of higher minimum wage would be that it would put more money in the pockets of people like restaurant workers. But to keep pace with the higher costs, some restaurants then have upped menu prices by as much as 20%. So um, that's, you know, affecting everything. Some restaurants here have tacked on a mandatory service charge to the bill and then eliminated tips for servers. So then it just kind of, because you're getting more money and a little bit of a service charge, then you don't have to tip because you're you're getting taken care of. Um and it, the story is all over the the board. Um, this one place, um, Bocavana, Bocanova, which I've never been to. It's a high end restaurant in Jack London Square. Uh, their their uh, receipts have no line for tipping on them, and a note on the menu says, "In lieu of gratuity, a sixteen percent lift up Oakland surcharge and four percent service charge will be added to your check beginning March first, and the four percent goes directly to the servers." And the 16% covers the cost of raising other staff salaries. Um, it's weird because, so I, this is not unique to, to Oakland. It's happening in other places too where people have stopped um, allowing their, their staff to collect tips and just adding a surcharge or just paying them what they deserve. Um, and it's interesting because like, hey, wait, did we talk about this already? The story? No. Ever, no. Have we talked about a restaurant that did no tips? No. Okay. I think I've put it on um, our agenda to talk about, and I've taken it off because I was just remembering another example. Uh, But uh, some union folks are telling people that they need to be careful because eliminating a tip line in favor of a service fee could be a scam. Like, typically, if the tip was uh, given, then 100% of the tip would go straight into the pocket of the coworker or uh, into the worker. But... Um, if you're giving it to the restaurant, then they can do, you know, what they want with it. So, um, that's interesting to think about. What are, what's your thoughts on all this? On the minimum wage hike? Everything. I'm going to tell you something. I have a very unique thought on this minimum wage hike. So this government, they're all into like businesses should, uh, hike the minimum wage that the businesses should chip in. Right. But then the government doesn't want to chip in. Right. So there's two parts. If if you want to improve the lives of poor people and low wage earners, there's two parts to the whole process. Part one is you need to raise the minimum wage. I'm actually for that. Okay. But part two, and this is where the government has to come in, is they need to expand the earned income tax credit. Now, Mike, you may not, you may make too much for the earned income tax credit. So maybe you don't know what it is, but the earned income tax credit is a refundable tax credit for low to moderate income working individuals and couples, particularly those with children. So any really good, and this is economists have, have, you know, champion this, but no one ever listens is because right now the way the earned income tax credit works, so you get a lot of money, you get most of your money back when you're a low wage earner, but it usually ha- works for families, right? They want to expand that, expand that so that it applies to more people, especially individuals. Okay. Because if you just raise the minimum wage, well, they're just giving more money to the government. So of course the government is into these business raising minimum wage because it, it's actually increasing the money the government gets, you know, but so they need to balance that with also because you're just, you're, you're what the 
poor people are actually making is just a fraction of what the actual minimum uh, wage increase is because a lot of that's going to taxes. So they need to do it in in concert with an increase in in earned income tax credit so that these people are getting more money uh, at the end of the year and also getting less money taken out of their checks and also increase the minimum wage. It has to be a combined effort. But just having businesses chalk up the charges themselves, wrong, and uh, it's bad. A. Interesting. Go ahead. Um, San Jose, which is up here recently, like in 2013, um, raised their minimum wage from $8 to $10. Yeah. And then uh, there was a UC Berkeley study uh, on how that affected the price of food. And a price of a $10 food item uh, at a restaurant went up by 15 cents. So that's – and that's – um that's compared to all the cities in the surrounding area yeah but but um, they need to balance that you can't you can't make the business owners completely carry the burden of trying to help these people you know so anyway the point is uh so i mean look you need to raise the minimum wage i'm sorry restaurant and if we need to pay more for our food then we're gonna have to pay more for our food that's going to be this the, the cost of doing a business and making sure people get paid a fair wage here's the other thing though with the tips it's like i have this dual thing here because so if uh if a server gets paid in tips when you like if you actually write in on the credit card did, I, look, okay i'm just thinking this out right now i wonder if it's almost like a wink wink nod nod to leave cash on the table because if you just if you write it in on the receipt, well, then it gets reported as income and the servers get taxed, right? Now, if you get. Is that true? Yeah. Always? Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you if you get cash. Right? When I worked at a restaurant, nobody could. At the end of the night, when we closed out the credit card machine, we cashed out whatever we got. And I, there was never any reporting of that. I've had several waiters tell me. Maybe it depends on the restaurant you work at. But I've had yeah. several waiters say, oh, please, we'd rather you have give us cash because we get taxed on the what you write on the, on the line. Okay? So maybe it depends on the establishment. But the point is – um, if you leave the, ca- I mean, if there's no line for the tack for the tip on the receipt, what's to prevent you from just leaving it on the table, the cash? So, so here's the thing is, but now the other side is these people should be paying their taxes. You know, now I'm all yeah. for people just taking the cash and I, look, if I got cash, I'm not going to be paying my taxes on it. I'll be honest with you. But yeah. government, if you're listening, I don't have a job where I get tip and tips in cash. So. If I said I want you to tutor one extra hour and I'll just give you some cash for that. Well, the problem, everything is cash is I put it through the bank. So it's obviously going to uh, uh, be recorded, you know, at the bank, <laughs> you know. So the point is, you know, the thing is people didn't need to make a living wage. We're going to have to pay more. And that's just that's just the way it's going to have to be. So you could. Eat- it's comp- It's complicated. I think the argument against like a minimum wage increase is that. People at the bottom are getting a wage increase, and then the the people who use those services, if there's like a price increase for those services to cover the wage increase, the people in the middle don't. Yeah, you know, and even they're making fifteen dollars an hour. Fifteen dollars an hour. That's not affected by a minimum wage increase, mm-hmm. but they're the ones that are paying the higher prices to cover the wage increase, and that that's a problem. And even the same people who are low, and now more of their money is going to be going back in because things are going to be more expensive. Yeah, and no, it's fucked. That's why you need to increase the earned income tax credit so they're taking more home. Government, 
Thank you. What do you got going on next week? Um, I got a birthday, so on Thursday I'm going to be um, doing something with coworkers. And now this is afternoon. weird, and we, I don't know if we've spoken about this on the show. You hate celebrating your birthday. Yeah, I don't really like it. Um, and then I'm going to hang out with Steve in the evening. I know that's all I really. You ever call it the Steve name? Yep. Um, now I, I I'm trying to find a, a a classy way of saying this. Is Steve? Do you know if Steve's uh, planning anything special for you for your birthday? No, I think that we've. I mean, in the conversations we've had, it's been pretty clear that I would rather just not do anything special like that. Because there've been other people year. that we know, uh huh, who go through great lengths to do something for you for my birthday. Uh huh. Who? Didn't the former occupant of that position used to like do like surprise? things and stuff no not really oh maybe i'm just um, i'm mixing other stories together well i think that there's been like like, he would buy like tickets to stuff and have me like plan for dinner and then be like and we got tickets that was kind of surprise stuff well i'll probably contact you on your birthday but on this show i want to say happy birthday mike lawson thank you thank you thank you um and so that's happening and then also on Sunday, I'm going to be doing brunch and hanging out with a bunch of Pride 48ers before we go to see Dame Edna, yeah. who's up here in San Francisco. So that should be good. Um, that's happening this weekend. Uh, this week, I'm having lunch with my old college friend, Hector. Cool. Uh, also, uh, remember James Fletcher? We worked with him. Yeah, yeah, He's in yeah. a band, and I'm going to go see his band perform at the restaurant where um, Cameron, friend of the show Cameron, uh works and then um i have this cousin richard he's a week younger than me and he's gay yeah and he's he's reading poetry at some poetry reading and i think look if you are a listener and you're in the la area and you want to see my cousin richard uh read poetry or read a poem i think just read a poem then you can join me at stories books and cafe in echo park uh this coming thursday that is what the 19th Thursday, March 19th, your birthday. We're going to celebrate Mike Lawson's birthday <laughs> by going to Stories, Books, and Cafe in Echo Park. And Stories is located at 1716 Sunset Boulevard in Echo Park between Lemoyne and Logan. If you want to hang out with Joe Batanz, that's where I'm going to be at 7.30 p.m. on Thursday watching my cousin Richard read a poem. He's inviting you, but when you get there, he's going to be like the host of the whole event, and then he'll like – Turn around and be in an interview or something. Oh, Richard or myself? You. Oh, I know. Or like, yeah. I want to see if any of our LA listeners would actually go. Maybe I can get like a Nico Martinez. LA is like our third percent. I mean, I'm sorry. Our third place highest. uh, What's the first uh, place? uh, Isn't it DC? Oh, that's right. For some reason, it's DC. It's this Whitman Tinker, man. He and all his friends are listening to this show. I think I think the reason is DC is just a really big podcasting place. Oh, really? My friend Jonathan lives in DC. I I I tell him the exact minute where I talk about him, he, he can't be bothered. By the way, by the way, I was talking to him the other day, and he told me this story. And the the point of not the point of the story, but the the beginning of the story was how he braved a snowstorm to uh-huh. go watch his friend play piano in some gay bar. Okay. And I was like, what? I go, he, and he was like, I know what you're going to say. And I was like, 
you will brave a fucking snowstorm, like a fucking just goddamn snowstorm to go listen to your friend play piano at a gay bar. But I can't listen to you. I can't get you to listen to a goddamn podcast where I talk about you and tell you the exact moment where I talk about you. You know what? Um, Virginia's not even on uh, Washington. It's no longer the number one. Well, it's confusing because now it's just California. California is number one, mm-hmm. but that's L.A. and San Francisco. Okay. And then number two is the United Kingdom. Whoa. Luton, L-U-T-O-N. Maybe they spelled London wrong, but it's there. That's number two. Uh-huh. And then number three is Texas. Well, that makes sense because there are a lot of listeners. We do have a lot of listeners in Texas. Well, Texas is big, too. Yeah. Huh. Well, UK. New York isn't even. New York is number five. What's number four? Missouri. Huh. We got some fans we don't know about. You guys email us, guys at cupodcast.com. You, you know what, Mike? And, and let's talk. Well, we'll talk about this off the show. But the, the point is this. You're right. You know what? If you listen to the show and oh, look, we would love to get a review on iTunes. It's been a while since we've gotten a review on iTunes. But please leave us a review on iTunes. We would love to get one if you've never done it. But you know what? Mike and I really do love getting emails from you guys. Oh, by the way, we should just mention last week on the show I made a joke about – um legs or something i don't know what it was about movies with leg up was the name of the romantic comedy oh, oh yeah. yeah and uh uh friend of the show joe zubia from texas from, oh yeah from texas from austin texas he wrote in with a bunch of uh names for potential romantic comedies um and i've forgotten all of them and i don't feel like opening the email but see we love getting emails from joe zubia I if you've if you've listened to the show and just never emailed us, just email us. I would love to hear from yeah, I want to hear from someone from London. Yeah, we just want to know who you are and that you're listening. Yeah. So. And uh, cool, Joey, it was oh wait, what? Nothing. Joey, it was nice catching up with you. <laughs> Go to hell, Mike. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Catching Up. Find a new episode each week at cupodcast.com, in iTunes, or in the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cupodcast. Follow us on Twitter at cupodcast. Email us at guys at cupodcast.com. Or call our listener line at 510-239-7798. Um, I mean... Um, uh, um, 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 uh, um, use action to defeat worry and fear. Do something to change what can be changed, and you'll no longer be afraid. <laughs>